We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com, andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good morning, to see you Scott. all. Scott. Talking about efficient planning this time. Efficient planning. As opposed to inefficient planning. Exactly. And at the end of the day, you know, when you're looking at tax planning and estate planning and cash flow management and life planning in general, it's all about how to be as efficient as you can Mm -hmm. with a person's money slash lifestyle slash their goals. Mm -hmm. Like what do they want to accomplish? And I find there's that's that's probably one of the best things Andy and I do is try to figure out what's the best thing using all the rules to make it work the best. So you end up with most, the most money in your pocket and whether it stays in your pocket or you gift it away or it ends up in a state, at least it's not in the government's pocket. Yeah. Okay, so you get to keep it. So I got came across a situation recently and these people did a very good job. Um, we'll, we'll just call them John and Lucy. Um, they're both 66 years old and uh, John decided to start his Canada pension plan at, and he's getting the full Canada pension plan, 13,000 a year. Lucy raised a couple kids and uh, didn't quite have her max, but she also started her Canada pension plan early at age 60 when she retired. And so she's getting about just over 7,000 a year. Um, Old age security, yep, you're entitled to the $7,300, both of them, okay? And I'll get to that in a second. And he's got a great pension. You know, John has a fantastic pension. Um, You know, there's a lot of different type of employment generally government oriented, uh, police, you know, high mm-hmm. up in the police force, for, for example, hospital administrators, um, hydro workers, teachers have a good one, but they are limited to a certain right. amount they wouldn't get, but his pension is about $120,000. Wow. And I've got a few clients in that boat. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing with pensions though, you can split that income. Mm-hmm. So 60,000 could go to Lucy and 60,000 would end up with John. Um, no riff for John, but Lucy decided, well, when she retired at 60, you know what, I'm going to start taking, you know, 15000 a year out of my RSP. Okay, so she, she's getting a riff. And then there's always a little bit of investment in income, and they're both getting 5000 investment coming income each. So at the end of the day, 66 years old, John's making 123000 a year, and Lucy's making about 90000 a year. And I'm thinking, okay, what's what's so wrong with this? Well, at hundred and 23,000 a year, you have totally evaporated your old age security. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. In fact, you start to lose it at 76,000. Mm-hmm. So 76,000 for every dollar you make after that point, you lose 15 cents of old age security. So it's kind of that, uh, what we call a senior's tax. You're already mm-hmm. in, say, a 40, per, 40, actually, if you make over 95,000, you're in a 43% bracket. And then you lose your old age security, which is 15%. Mm. So you're kind of in a 58% seniors bracket. So it's kind of the worst bracket in Canada. Nobody wants to be there. Um, On top of that, they do have, they've done a great job. You know, they they manage their cash flow, live well within their means. They've maxed out their TFSAs and they're both worth about 70,000 each. You know, and then that shows that they didn't really grow that much. The limit right now is 63.5. So, you know, it's okay, but they could have done a little better. Um, she has $400,000 in her name of RSPs because most of his went into the pension. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get a lot there. And uh, they do have some non-registered investments also that are in income-producing funds, mm-hmm. okay? Because they, they want to be conservative. And this is something we Andy and I hear a lot. I want to be safe. Yeah. 
So I say, great. So I look at this. I said, well, you're financially independent. You're, in fact, you could probably, you're actually underliving. Yeah. Um, after you work through their expenses, they were only spending, say, about two thirds of their income, mm. and that's after investing money in their TFSAs. So they're totally financially independent. So if based on their age of 66, you can say, okay, if there's any dream trips, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, mm. there's lots of wiggle room here. Don't worry about, and it's kind of interesting because what got them into the position of being financially independent, it makes it hard to spend that money. Yeah, You can't just, oh, I'm 66, flick the switch. Mm -hmm. It's hard to start spending money if you've never really, you know, you may have done some trips and things, but you yeah. never did all the things you could have because you saved it mm -hmm. for retirement. But now you're retired and it's like, okay, well, do we really need that? Do we, ha you know, you still got that mindset. I might live to 200. <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> and we always, Andy and I talk about this is, do you want to mm -hmm. underlive? Mm -hmm. And I often say, well, I'd really want you to maximize your fun, mm -hmm. okay? At the end of the day, you want to maximize that fun. So I look back and unfortunately, John decided he's also been working and he's making about $40,000 a year. After he retired, he said, you know what, kind of bored. People wanted to do some extra work on the side. Yeah, really. Forty thousand. You know a year. what? Let's hey, let's get this guy out. Tell him, put him on a cruise. Put him on a cruise. <laughs> tell him he's got to start spending some of that. And you know what? There's a lot of people that want to keep working, and yeah. I love that uh, yeah. personally. I think they they should. It keeps mm -hmm. them healthy mm -hmm. and their mind active. But at the same time, it's not full time. It's only you know sure. he's doing it here and there, and he travels a bit with it. So it's kind of a fun thing. But with that in mind, he already applied for his old age security. So had I been their planner back two years ago, mm -hmm. I would have said, okay, definitely don't want to collect your old age security because you make 123,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. You don't need it and you're going to get it all clawed back. Mm -hmm. It's guaranteed because yeah. you're making 40,000 a year and that's putting you right over the threshold. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, you cannot go backwards. Mm -hmm. Once you got it, you got it. You can't say, okay, retroactively, I'll pay you all back. I didn't want that money. Yeah. And it's also been a year and a half now. So but nobody brought that to their attention. And for that matter, most people don't know that you can defer old age security. Mm -hmm. A lot of people understand you can defer the Canada Pension Plan, but the old age security, if you defer it till 70, you get a 36% increase in it. Mm -hmm. So instead of 772 um, a year, you're getting closer to $10,000 mm -hmm. a year. But at the end of the day, if you weren't gonna get it anyway, just defer it. Yeah. It's, so that's uh, right off the get-go, do that. Um, second of all, I looked at Lucy and, and she decided to take her Canada Pension Plan out early herself. And there was no health ailments. There's no reason she would think she was not going to live to 74 years old. And the reason I say that is 74 is really the break-even point mm -hmm. on Canada Pension Plan. So if you're, and I would suggest most people do live past 74. So I'm not a big fan of people taking it out at, at age um, 60. Right. You know, particularly women mm -hmm. um, because their longevity is even higher. Mm -hmm. So some reason um, somebody suggested or they talked to their neighbor or who, whatever reason, they started collecting their, her Canada pension plan at age 60. Well, again, had I been there six years ago, yeah. it would have been one of those things definitely, you know, look at post Why did they collect it though even if they didn't need it? They just... Yeah, yeah, just because they contributed. There's yeah. always this kind of- In case of, I die, yeah. I thought yeah. my, my neighbors are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to miss out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of it. They're, everybody's yeah. so happy. Oh, wow, you've got to take it. I'm taking it. Mm. And it's almost like they're recruiting other people to take it out early. Yeah, I've right. made a decision now. You have to make the same one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it makes theirs look better. Yeah, exactly. So they get a whole bunch of people all getting it right. out early. Yeah. 
And at age 74, the clock starts ticking the other way, mm-hmm. saying, well, every time you receive a check, you're actually starting, eat, you're actually in the hole. Yeah. You would have been better off at age 74, yeah. uh, age 65 to start collecting. Mm-hmm. So the one thing I noticed off the, off the get-go too is with him receiving 13000 in CPP and her receiving 7200 in CPP, well, they could have split their Canada Pension Plan. And this is also one of those things that a lot of people say, well, I do split my pension. I know we've said this on the air before, but one of the things that you have to do with Canada Pension Plan, you have to go and get it done right at the Service Canada mm-hmm. and get it done, or online. You can actually apply online too. Get the forms. You have to do this. You cannot split this on the tax return. Mm-hmm. His pension, it just gets done automatically on the tax return. You press that nice little optimization button on your on your CanTax or TurboTax or whatever tax program you're on. And that will get the ultimate um, op- optimal amount of pension splitting. Mm-hmm. But the Canada Pension Plan, you have to actually do this physically and get that done. Right. So that there also would have helped save some income tax. Okay, bringing more money from uh, a higher income spouse to a lower income spouse. And even if it didn't, there's no downside because the program would have just split less of the other pension. Right. So when they say splitting pension, a lot of the time it doesn't. It's not a fifty-fifty split. Mm-hmm. That can be split <clears throat> any which way. Yeah. And so the program actually works out what's the best exact percentage. It's up to 50%. Right. Um, so then I looked at it and said, well, had, had you started your um, CPP, if you didn't start your CPP early, you could have started cashing in RSPs. Now, Lucy did start a RIF because she said, oh, what the heck? I got all this money in RSPs. I'm all start a RIF. Kudos to that. But why not, Matt? Why don't you just go big? Start taking it right up to 75000 a year. Get your income up to that. Use up that 30% tax bracket. Because based on John, she'll never be in lower than a 30% bracket again in her life. Right. So all these past six years, she could have been taking money out at, at 30%. And potentially, if they both die, those RSPs could be taxed at 53.5%. Mm-hmm. That's a 20.5%, sorry, a 23.5% difference yeah. on tax. So on on four hundred thousand dollars in RSP, that's a that's a fair whack of tax. There's almost a hundred thousand dollars more mm-hmm. in tax. Yeah, just be just be on the difference in tax rates. So again, trying to be efficient here. Um, so what they can do because she is in a a bracket now, and she's she's actually losing some of her old age security right now. I suggested why don't you put your RIF back into the RSP. You don't need that now. Now that you're getting this defined benefit plan from your husband's pension, mm-hmm. move the RIF back in. And so she's already got the minimum paid out this year, which has to be done before you move it back in, or the institution will just pay out the minimum. I think a lot of people know that, right? That you yeah. can take, once you've started a RIF, you can actually change your mind. Yeah. As yeah. long as you're less than 71, you can mm-hmm. put it back, back into in. your RSP. Mm. And that's exactly it. She, she started at 60 because she, oh, what the heck, I need some income. And... Uh, and at the time, John, you know, her husband, John, was still working. Yeah. And why not take a bit out? She should have actually taken a lot more out. Right. And now it's the exact opposite. Put it back in, switch it back in, as Andy said, before 71, and stop receiving that RIF income because it's actually clawing back your old age security. Yeah. So that's the other thing we're going to look <clears throat> at doing. Um, the next is her investment income or their investment income. They're both making $5,000 of interest income a year. And yet, interesting enough, their RSPs also have things that produce capital gains or inequities. So the fact of simply switching so all their non-registered investments would be earning capital gains and all their registered investments, like their RSPs and the TFSAs, earning interest, 
that would save them about $10,000 added to their income every year. Mm. And again, help with the clawback. So if you if she had 5,000 less, um, 15% of that to, to do their $750 more old age security she would have got. Mm-hmm. And and him on the other hand, he would not have an extra $5,000 added to a 43% tax bracket. So it would have allowed him to earn a little less too. So what I, what it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of, at the end result, which I'll get to just after the break, you'll, you'll find out how they actually can get their whole RSP and, and kind of have their cake and eat it too for the time being. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's all one word, andyanddon.com. You can listen to old archive shows there or ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at their website, andyanddon.com. We're talking about efficient planning. Yes, yeah, just to finish up here. So here's a situation in a great position to be in when you have a you know defined benefit plan and they're basically, their biggest, <laughs> it's always a tough when they have to worry about old age clawback. Mm-hmm. It's almost like bragging, yeah. okay? Oh yeah, I get my old age security clawed back. It means they're making over that 76,000 a year. Yeah. And good for them, okay? However, it doesn't have to be that way. So what I worked out, and this is a, a bit unusual, as I said, you know, start, put that RIF back in, do the things I recommended in terms of um, put the RIF back into the RSP, invest slightly differently so you're in capital gains, not interest, um, split your Canada pension, we can't do some of the other things because they should have been done earlier. Right. Okay. And that would bring her income down to the fact that she would get her, her full, almost her full old age security. Right. She would get that for the next six years or five years. She's seven, 66. So until she's 71, nothing would change. And then when she turns 72, unfortunately, then she has to take out the riff. Right. Okay. But my suggestion at that time would be a little different. He's likely not going to keep working past that time. He'd be also 72, so he might work a little longer than that. Um, there's no really end in sight. He might continue right. to work. But why not cash in the RSPs and go big then? Because if you're going to lose the old age security every year after that, why not just lose it big? Mm-hmm. Get, bring your income right up to about the 125000 mark. Use up the 43% tax bracket and draw down on your RSPs at about 50000 a year. Now, if they did that for the next 10 years, their RSPs would be gone. Mm-hmm. They have no RSPs, and they are now 81, 82 years old. All those, all those funds would be in TFSAs, maybe gifted to their kids, yeah. okay, um, in non-registered earning capital gains. Funny enough, once they're 81, 82 again, their income drops, and she would start collecting all these security again. Mm. So we've gotten all the money out at 43%, not having to worry about being taxed. If they both die, the, the tax rate would be 53.5%. Right. And so we've got it out at 43. And, you know, hopefully she lives to 90 or more and she gets another nine years mm-hmm. of old age security. So this plan work basically will give you, give this situation five years of OAS now and a, and a lifetime afterwards after the age of 82. And it all comes down to an efficient plan. Mm-hmm. 
And I know Andy's got a, a similar you know, situation here going over a, um, a, a detailed account. Yeah, we uh, in the past few weeks I've been talking about financial well-being and uh, uh, and again how it seems to resonate with people and I keep getting asked, well, what's my score about on my financial well-being? And um, <clears throat> so, and just in preparing for today, I will take you through a little bit of a case study of, of a situation. But in terms of financial well-being, there's there's a lot of sort of different definitions out there. But obviously, if you think about um, your, it's maybe financial fitness or financial well-being. There's, and there's actually one of the things that, that popped up when you start to uh, research this is that there are several stages of financial well-being. And depending on where you are, you might see yourself in one of these seven stages that we talk about in terms of financial well-being. And the first one, uh, level one, is financial chaos. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me. And... Um, Really, this is this is a, an individual. They may be doing well. They might be earning a good income, but uh, they were just perhaps never taught about money, never experienced it, and they find it very difficult to manage their finances. So there, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of guilt about it. Maybe some shame, and some of the behaviors that they you might see is they're avoiding certain things. It might be overspending, or there might be a lot of family conflicts mm-hmm. over how the monies are being managed. And really think about their financial status. They probably don't have any savings, tax savings at this point. Uh, sorry, uh, savings, but their taxes may not be done. Bills are left unpaid right. and you're scrambling to get them done. Mail is unopened uh, and you might be abdicating your uh, the management of financial, financial affairs to a spouse or, mm-hmm. or a parent or somebody else. So financial chaos, level one. N- level two is financial avoidance. And basically, at this point, you recognize that your fans, your finances are in trouble, but you're still avoiding taking action. Yeah. And uh, so your emotions might be you're overwhelmed, you're feeling insecure, maybe there's some frustration there. And the behaviors are a lot of times just paralysis, yeah. right? You know, not sure where to turn. Um, and you kind of keep your head in the sand, mm-hmm. just avoiding, I guess, some of that as well. And in terms of your financial status, you do have some savings. There's probably random savings. You probably are not dealing with a financial planner. Um, your your finances are disorganized. Uh, you've got accounts all over the place, maybe different financial uh, institutions. And you really have a limited control over this and your knowledge level is not great at this point either. Stage three is financial awareness. And in financial awareness, you're starting to get, uh, you know, a little more sense of achievement. You're wondering what's next. You're, uh, and you're wondering, do I really have enough? And your behaviors now is you're starting to think about retirement. You might be thinking about, um, uh, you might be thinking about creating a plan for this uh, and certainly debt is going to be part of it and maybe something else in your life has happened too. Maybe there's been a job loss, maybe it's it's been a divorce, but you're ready to sort of learn and take charge right. at this point. Step four, level four, is financial stability. So now you've got a lot of the basics in place. So your financial security is in sight and you're feeling a little better. You've got some relief, sense of accomplishment. You're cautiously optimistic. Your behaviors, you're sort of looking for reassurance. You know, am I doing the right things? Am I, and you're seeking information and you're working with a financial planner typically, but you're getting yourself organized. In terms of your financial status, you've got that debt under control, living within your means and you're building your assets and you've got good daily money management skills. And then at level five, financial security, uh, your plan is basically working, right? You're, you're, you're on track. You can see that. 
you're prepared for what unexpected things might happen in life if it was insurance needs or a health issue, uh, a job loss, and you're moving towards financial independence, the next step. So you're feeling more confident, you're in control, and you might have concern or worry about the future, but it feels a lot better. You feel right. a, a position of strength. So your behaviors, you're certainly planning for the future. You're considering different choices now and assessing different options for your finances. And in terms of your status, you're prepared for that unexpected. You're thinking about things like estate plans. Your insurance is up to date. And um, <clears throat> and, and really, that's you know the, the spot to be as, as you're thinking about your midlife, right? And then step six which is the financial independence. And Don was talking about this as well. So you've reached that point where you've got a sense of achievement. Um, you're, you're not concerned that future events outside your control are going to throw you a curveball. Mm-hmm. Right? You're in control. Your behaviors are typically you're retired at this point. You're uh, thinking maybe about downsizing. You might be volunteering somewhere or traveling and obviously maybe living somewhere else too. Right. You might think about moving. In terms of your financial status, you've achieved that financial independence and now the focus is on personal enjoyment. And the final stage of financial well-being, step uh, seven, would be financial fulfillment. And this is where you feel confident. You know you have enough money. Uh, that Money is no object right. at this point. Uh, you can spend and give money in alignment with your own values whenever you feel like it. Uh, without risking any of your financial security. So your, your emotions are, you know, I have enough. I've got peace of mind. Your behaviors, things like charitable giving, setting up foundations, maybe involved in humanitarian projects, giving back time and money, et cetera. Your financial status, as I said, money's no object and not an issue. I have everything I need and more. And you begin to share that knowledge and share your wealth as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting journey. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... Um, and I think that part part of this financial well-being is kind of trying to figure out where I am, but also, you know, how am I doing relative to other people too? Yeah. That's always, always a common th- thread in this. And so as I think about um, a situation that I came across recently, it was, uh, again, a financial well-being score that is something that uh, IG Private Wealth Management is now doing with all of our clients. And this particular client who just on the verge of getting ready to retire. Well, one retired and one hasn't yet. Right. We'll call them Bob and Sue, age 64 and 63. And they had two children, which are uh, growing up and married and independently, and they're launched. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's yeah. amazing how much of a difference that makes mm, yeah. when your children have launched and they're on their own yeah. and they're doing well. Mm-hmm. Because it, it takes a it takes a load off of you as a parent sure. worrying about their own their financial security because we often think, oh, it was so hard when we grew up. Yeah. Do I want to make it as hard? You know, yeah. I don't want it to be hard for them. Mm-hmm. And um, so often, a lot of times, as parents, our finances kind of get uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. chewed up by yeah. helping out yeah. instead to of a, just to focusing a fault too. To, to a fault maybe. You know, and, and that's, that's yeah. one thing. Sometimes I think, well, I don't want it hard on them. And ah, maybe they should have a little bit of hardship. They, yeah. they might appreciate uh, yeah. having the yeah. money yeah. And, and how, how hard it is to work sure. and the discipline. 
so that's fantastic. And obviously they've done a good job as parents. And mm-hmm. I say that's a, that's a good testament to yeah, them. Very uh, true. But the wild card is there's a grandchild on the way. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see how disciplined they are about yeah. not helping out as much <laughs> when, yeah, when really. the grandchild comes along. <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. That tends to change their... their, their Kids incentive. are one thing, but grandkids... I know, I know. That's a whole, <laughs> another, whole other kettle of fish. So um, their, their financial well-being score was 70 out of 100. And we talk about the six main areas that make up that score. You're, you're optimizing your retirement, uh, preparing for the unexpected. So this would be, you know, in case of an illness or injury or job loss, uh, planning for a major expenditure. So a car, vacation, maybe a, a vacation property, sharing your wealth, which is in terms of your estate, is there going to be money left over and mm-hmm. to what extent can you give at, at later on and managing cash flow efficiently, which is, do you have debt? Are you saving on a regular basis? And all of these things come together to make your overall score. Optimizing your retirement is is weighted more heavily because that is something that we're always, we're all of us are concerned yeah. about trying to figure out, can I retire? And we call it, uh, you know, creating your retirement paycheck. <clears throat> so the score of 70 is pretty good. It puts them right on the cusp uh, in terms of, you know, Red light, yellow light, green light. Mm-hmm. The 70 is the break point between the green and the yellow. Right. That's the exact uh, spot. So they're, um, they're doing well. And as I said, there uh, a few things that came that were low. The one area that was low was managing cash flow efficiently. And they actually got zero in this, in this category. And I looked, when I delved into that to understand why they're getting zero, uh, a couple of things popped up. First of all, right now they still have debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, as part of their retirement lifestyle, they purchased an RV mm-hmm. and that was 120 grand mm-hmm. and they had to borrow money to do that. And mm-hmm. they're making payments on a regular basis to pay off the RV, aggressively paying that down. Mm-hmm. They still had a small mortgage, about 20 grand left over, but we're working on a plan to get rid of that. And finally, they... Um, uh, they have also have their own business, which uh, she's still involved in. He's just retired, so she's mm-hmm. going to work another four or five years. And they put some money into the business, so about seventy thousand. So they're paying that back as well. <clears throat> it's all in right now. They're paying about four thousand a month to get these things paid off in the mm-hmm. next four years. So, um, and the other thing is, in terms of their saving strategy, they don't make regular contributions to an RRSP. They typically do an annual lump sum. Right. And the problem with an annual lump sum is that it can be variable. Yeah. There's there's less discipline associated with that uh, in many cases, so they would get a lower score. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's systematic on a monthly basis and regular, right. they would get a higher score by doing that consistently. Um, <clears throat> so having debt at this point really knocked down their score. But the good news is we've got a plan in place to deal with that over the next four years. And, um, you know, so the, uh, they, they scored 100% on preparing for the unexpected. Mm. And this is one of the few scenarios, and I don't see enough of this, but they both had purchased before I met them uh, long-term care insurance. So in this case, uh, the benefit that they would receive from long-term care insurance, so this long-term care insurance, just as a quick review, is a tax-free weekly benefit paid to you as the individual uh, based on you not being able to perform two of the six activities of daily living. You would qualify for benefits. Or if you have a cognitive impairment. So if you're diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's, you would immediately qualify as well. So they have a $500 a week. Lifetime uh, long-term care benefit, 
26,000 a year and they and they each have that so a total of 52,000 a year if they both needed long-term care mm. at the same time so that goes a long way to securing their retirement yeah. and particularly the final years the last stage of retirement uh, the the no-go years as we often call it <clears throat> so um, so they scored very high 100% in terms of being prepared for the unexpected and today you know their net worth is about little over $2 million and they owe about 135000 So um, uh, certainly the strong net worth, uh, a strong plan in place to deal with debt. And, um, uh, and they spend relatively, uh, they, they're relatively conservative in terms of their spending as well. So their living expenses are about 45000 a year. The budget during retirement in this, this next phase is about 10000 a year for travel. Mm-hmm. So a total of 55000 and they're plowing about forty to forty-eight thousand a year into paying off debt, mm. so aggressively going after that over the next four years. And even though he just retired, he's gone back to work part time and be making twenty-four grand a year for that four-year period, mm. just to uh, make sure that's its goal. Once the debt's paid off, then I can yeah. hang up my shingle for sure, that's, mm. and, and I'm done. Um, <clears throat> so, again, I think. Um, in terms of financial well-being, the, the the concept is to understand where am I sort of on those seven levels of financial well-being, and then what does my score look like overall, and then where are the areas that might be of concern, and then let's build some strategies around that to make sure that um, we're looking after those areas and the areas that are doing well. You know, keep optimizing that and yeah. keep the plan moving forward mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I'm. I'm going to talk a little bit more when we come back, but I want to talk about the 10 most important questions to ask before you retire. And this is something that comes from the Canadian Institute of Financial Planning. Um, and uh, Don and I are both members of that. And they are part of what's called the Registered Retirement Consultant uh, designation. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, and I think it's they've done some great research to think. And the thing that surprised me the most is they said, you need to be asking these questions 10 years before yeah, you retire. Yeah, good point. Yeah, lots <laughs> so, of planning. Exactly. And we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. We're talking about questions you should ask before retirement. Yes. And even before thinking about retirement. I know. Really. You know, it's so funny because often I'll say, well, you know what? If you're within five years of retirement, you should be sitting down with a financial planner and talking about what your strategy should be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in reviewing some of the materials from our uh, the Canadian Institute of Financial Planning, they actually re- reference talking about this 10 years in yeah. advance of retirement. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, I guess it's never too soon in mm-hmm. some ways yeah. to talk about. So this is a sample uh, from the Retirement Institute, uh, Canadian Institute of Retire- Financial Planning, and their website is www.retirementinstitute.ca. So question one uh, would be, do you want to help your children or grandchildren with the cost of education and or weddings? Uh, 
So that's interesting because weddings, you think about your retirement should period, Should that right? be a first question or should that be farther <laughs> down the list? First, we've got other important things. Well, then we'll get let me that. point this out, that there's actually no numbers on these. These okay. are just a list of 10 okay. questions. Ah, there you go. So there's, okay. no, there's no particular no priority. order. No priority to okay. this at all. Uh, and... It's inter- you know, it's interesting because you think about how many times grandparents will contribute, will want to contribute yeah. to an RESP for their mm-hmm. grandchildren, or uh, as parents, we get asked about weddings. Now, weddings often coincide with a ro- about the same time you're getting ready to retire, mm. right? You think about it. You're going to be in your, you know, in around 60, your kids yeah. are maybe 30, yeah. ish, yeah. and then you're, uh, and now they're saying, hey, I'm getting married, and yeah. now you're thinking, oh, Geez, we got to yeah. come up with yeah. ten grand, twenty grand. What's our number going to be? You know, so part of the part of the planning. I are, might be working forever. Yeah, you might think I should go back to work to pay for weddings. <laughs> Elope. How no, many? How, and, <laughs> and now you think, getting, my kids are getting. Why did I have three children? Before. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I should have stuck at one. Yeah. Uh, next question would be: Do you want to buy a vacation property? So that's a big one for sure. retirees, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about, uh, is it going to be a lifestyle where we're heading south every year? And do we want to buy something at a certain place? Uh, is it going to be a cottage up north? Is it going to be an RV? You know, there's all kinds of different things that might be part of that. But it's uh, it's a big decision and it adds a lot of different financial issues to it. If it's out of the country, that's another issue. Mm-hmm. But just from a cash flow management standpoint, we often underestimate how much it costs to maintain a second property, yeah, right? the ongoing costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, third question is, are you going to sell your home and downsize to help finance your retirement? So a lot of times people will think, uh, you know, that's part of the game plan right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, we've always thought we, we're, we're going to move to into the country and we're going yeah. to sell the house, we're going to downsize, we're going to free up. Well, how much are we going to free up? And, and crunching through the numbers with a financial planner is important because too many times we find that people really don't want to sacrifice a lot of the things yeah. that they have in their current property. Mm. You know, the conveniences, uh, that becomes important. And just um, maybe space too, yeah. right? As you think about your family, now you've got grandchildren, et cetera, more room. You need, you need that room again as mm. kids are coming back into the house. Um, next question, will you start a new hobby? Well, that could be something that costs money. Mm-hmm. If you decide to join a golf club, if yeah. you're deciding to, uh, you know, start boating, sail, whatever it might be, all of these things are going to cost money. Not every hobby has to cost money, but yeah. it is something from your financial plan. Well, you have a lot of free time on your hands now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. something has to fill that time and, yeah. and to <clears throat> really to make life fun mm-hmm. and to enjoy yourself. So hobbies generally do cost a little bit. Yeah. And uh, next question would be, will you volunteer? And, uh, Except volunteering, that doesn't cost. Yeah, that's a lot. exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great one, obviously, because it um, it just helps transition from being in a workplace, perhaps where you have a lot of relationships, yeah, etc., and structure to maybe helping avoid that issue around loneliness, etc., mm-hmm. that we talk about during retirement. Uh, will you work part time? And you know, we've, how many times have we, you know, run into this where somebody retires and then finds they're not transitioning well, yeah. or they're bored, or they just have feel like they have more to give still that mm-hmm. they want to go back somehow and do something part time. Exactly right? like the <clears throat> case I, I presented at the beginning. Yeah. You know, retires and then oh, you know what? I think I'm going to go back and make some money and, and enjoy it. And, and even with the part, one I was looking at, exactly yeah. same idea. And I, you know what? Part-time. It's great for the the mind and everything else. Yeah. Uh, next question: Will you further your education now? 
That's interesting because I know, uh, in fact, one of the uh, uh, financial planners in our company who retired a number of years ago uh, went back and is doing a history degree. Really? Yeah. Wow. So at age 60. But what I discovered is that at age 65, you don't have to pay for tuition. Oh, so it's 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 dramatically reduced. Or then I you think can tutor your minimal. Then tutor your grandkids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you become a prof and teach them. So it's not necessarily a cost factor at sixty five plus. Be an investment. It's in a time factor, I guess, more than anything. <clears throat> uh, next question is: Will you be a two or one car family? So yeah. big costs associated with owning a vehicle and depreciation and car replacement. And it's always part of a retirement plan when Don and I are looking at, you know, how often are you going to replace your vehicle? Do you buy new? Do you buy used? Uh, you know, do you run it into the ground or mm-hmm. do you trade every four years or do you lease all the time? So what are the costs going to be associated with yeah, that? And what type of car for that? And what type of car? Exactly. It's a big so, difference. Major difference. And uh, the next question will be, how much will you, how much travel will you do? So, I mean, if you were already travelers, uh, I think that traveling is an interesting thing in retirement because it becomes, uh, you know what, we can do it now. We're physically able to, we're going to make those tough trips, yeah. you know, big, long ones, like we're going to go to Australia, mm-hmm. long flights, et cetera. But then later on, as that becomes more onerous, you yeah. decide, you know what, we're just going to travel more locally, yeah. either within Canada or North America. Sure. And then the next question would be, uh, will you start a second career? So this might be something completely different where you're now thinking, you know what, I've always wanted to do X and now I have the time. I'm not necessarily focused on making money, but the second career might cost you money to actually do it. So that, that's another that's another really interesting question as you start to develop and create your own retirement vision. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. They will return your call. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG private wealth management you can call them now and leave a message they'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com all right uh live and plan like a lobster yes you heard it right folks <laughs> live and plan like a lobster <laughs> with butter or without <laughs> Ooh. hey little known maybe not well, little known fact but you know lobsters mate for life no. That's true. I didn't know that. Yeah. And they live a long time, they too. They can. Not in Newfoundland, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they made it for life. Yes. Uh, actually, you know what? Several so times So clearly they can't see. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, too funny. Um, several times in a life of lobster, it casts off its shell. Yeah. Now, I did know that because I did have an aquarium. Especially when you got it on a plate. And, uh, <laughs> and you got those big things there. It's... Yeah, calipers and crunch those off. But I did have an uh, aquarium at one time and all of a sudden I see this exoskeleton shell there. I think, what the heck? And sure enough, it was there and it was just kind of naked really and then it grows back in no time. And and what it is, is then it stays in the weeds after that. It's very (laughs) self-conscious. It is. (laughs) A little little embarrassed. Hides behind the little... uh, Kelp. (laughs) It it hides behind the little castle there. Yes. It's a little embarrassed. It's an instinctive process every time the lobster lobster realizes it's it's reached its point of crises. And what it means is the the, the lobster shell is an exoskeleton designed to protect and nurture the lobster as it grows. And this is great, you know, and, and I think humans do this too. We have, we, we create this shell around us and it's and there for protection. We feel good about it and, and life's good. But unfortunately, the shell becomes a hindrance mm. and it starts to beca- inhibit the lobster's growth. Yeah. Because if that shell was only that size, yeah. 
we'd never get those one and a quarter pound That's lobsters. It, yeah. Okay. You'd be squirting out the ends. <laughs> never. So ultimately, the lobster has no choice. In order to continue to grow and develop, it needs to discard its old shell and grow a new one. Mm-hmm. And so it does. So this process does take about two days. And two days may not seem like a long time. But if you're a lobster, this is a long you're, time. You're a naked lobster, man. That's eternity. That's a long time. And it's <laughs> vulnerable on the ocean. It can be seen like an eternity. Yeah. And it really could be another creature's lunch in that time. Sure. Because it doesn't have any shell. In those two days, it's a relentless action of waves that could slam against rocks and injure it. Yet the lobster knows it has no alternative. It has to get rid of the shell. And this is to continue to mature in advance. and knows it must step outside its boundaries to take that risk. And to do so... Otherwise, would mean stagnation, and it would never grow. Mm-hmm. And that's why I look at with humans; it's the same thing. And I know it seems a little bit of a stretch, perhaps, but you know how many of us have created these shells? Yeah, especially and, as you get older. And you get older, yeah. and it, it could be your job. Mm-hmm. You know, you've stuck in this job, mm-hmm. and you're comfortable. You get that paycheck, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't really want to get rid of that shell. It feels pretty good. Yeah, you know, even probably even have a a coffee cup with the name of the company you work for on yeah. it. Yeah. And you got maybe a golf shirt and, you, you know, you're feeling good, okay? Um, but it's good to go and get, go back and get education. And, this, and that, go, that's a bit of a risk. What if I fail? I'm mm-hmm. too old. All mm-hmm. these excuses come out and you have a million of them. As soon as you think it's a good idea, I bet you 20 excuses say, well, it's probably not a good idea now. Yeah, yeah. We can do it later. Yeah. Okay. And also the same happens with investments. Times change. If you, what you're doing, say in the 80s, would not do the same thing. Now, if you did not change with your investment or your financial plan mm-hmm. in the last 30 years, I can guarantee you, you've not done that well. Mm-hmm. Guarantee you. And a, a case in point is uh, I, dealt, I, I, you know, I dealt with a lot of people from DeFasco. Mm-hmm. And if I go back 20 some odd, 30 years ago, they had a great plan. And you know, a lot of people were retiring with 400,000 as they still do now. Yeah. Now that doesn't sound like it is not a lot of money. It actually seemed like a lot more back in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. But they actually are retiring with similar amounts still today. Mm -hmm. And the interest rates were around 10%. So it was almost a no-brainer. I'll just buy 10% GIC. And I just renew it and renew it and renew it and renew it. And so if you had 400,000 at 10%, you're making 40,000 a year living living large. 40,000 a year. You know, they're only making maybe 60. Mm -hmm. So you're getting two-thirds of that. You're you're not getting your OAS or CPP. Maybe, Maybe your CPP may have taken it early. And the other alternative would have been a little risky. Oh, put it into mutual funds that are in stocks of companies like Royal Bank or IBM or McDonald's or Apple or, or BMW. Ooh, why would I do that? And it's only, it's only average, say, you know, 8 to 10%, which isn't any better than the GIC. Let's just go with the guarantee. Well, sure enough, five years later, that GIC matures. And now the GICs are only paying 7%. Well, <clears throat> normally, I have to say, if you were making 10%, most people would spend all of it, <laughs> okay? Yeah. If you're really good and say, well, we'd only need 32,000 a year, we can, <laughs> we can simply save a little bit of that in, ta- in case interest rates drop. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot of planning to do for those five years, but I would suggest most people say, party time, I'm retired, sure. let's spend it. Yeah. Well, the GIC comes due, it's now making 7%, and now you're making 28,000 a year. Meanwhile, your investments are still clicking on at 7%, mm-hmm. and you're also making about 28000 a year. Um, and there's some volatility. But then that GIC matures. Now you're 10 years out. And now the GIC rates are 3%. Mm. And now you're making 12000 a year. 12000 a year rather than 28000 a year. 
And so here's a perfect example because, you know, 30 years ago or 20 some odd years ago, there wasn't no tax-free savings accounts. Um, bank accounts were paying some return actually. Canada savings bonds were a bit of a rage. You know, a lot of people used Canada savings bonds back in the 90s. GICs, we had tons of people that had only GICs when I 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it, interestingly enough, it's been actually 34 years yesterday, uh, no, three days ago, where I was with Investors Group. And so I remember this, like it was yesterday, yeah. that this is what people talked about. But just like a lobster, they have to constantly grow and change. Yeah. And if they don't, they literally would have ran out of money. And I actually have seen a couple of DeFascos and the one, one came with me and one didn't. And one was a neighbor, not far down the street. One is really struggling yeah. and one is doing perfectly fine. And it all comes down to live and plan like a lobster. <laughs> is anybody else hungry? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister and Don Fox of beer. Uh, uh, Don Fox have been here not having beer. Uh, Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message, 905-529-7165, and check out their website at andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. Thanks, Thanks a lot, you, Scott. Scott.